0: welcome to the best of seven presented by the big lead we are doing our succession power rankings for the sixth episode of the third season and let me tell you it was an eventful one this one took the medium of sitting in a room and trying to hash things out This was an actual horse race in the political realm. It basically showed how politics works these days with this cabal of power, handpicking someone to lead the republic. And if that happens to be a fascist, fine, as long as it's good for the bottom line, which is ultimately the decision that Logan made on the strength of some heavy campaigning from Roman Stephen, what did we think about this one? A very consequential episode. We see what happens where Kendall is extremely marginalized on the fringe. We saw what happens when all these powerful and ostensibly horrible people gather in one location to discuss everybody's future, a future that they're not going to see market change in, but will ultimately hurt almost everybody involved who is not. In that room, tough one to watch, but I think really important for where this season is going.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a bottle episode almost for Succession. It's it's a little, it's kind of that thing where we hear, or I don't know if we really hear this, but you know, it's we think of people in these dark rooms making these decisions to see who's really going to run the country. You know, the stone cutters getting together, as it were, and that's kind of what this was it's the secret retreat where all the uh republicans get together and nod at each other and run and grab each other cokes at late late at night to see who uh has what it takes to bend over backwards for logan roy and be president it was it was it's kind of a different tone different stakes in the grand scheme of who who is going to control waystar royco I don't know, like a president, a couple of guys, one guy is like, you know, if you make me president, I'll put your father in jail and then you can run the company. It's, it's a little strange. Yeah. And I think what was really
0: interesting is you kind of saw like the gamut of strategy going back to, like you said, Shiv was approached. I'll put your father in jail (laughs) that it ranged from that. It ranged to a person who is going to be supporting a guy. He's just calling H it, range to the current vice president who is an uncanny joe biden lookalike uh who licks his lips too much and then one competent person who actually wants to get things done who shiv backed who ultimately got sidelined because it wouldn't be good for ratings ultimately it comes down to the simplest dumbest thing it was an example of seeing how the sausage gets made and being equally frustrated being like walking away saying i don't want to ever eat sausage again because it's just as unseemly as i may have expected but let's get to the list these are the seven characters who had the best episode slash are in the best position to succeed going forward as always as we try to decide who is the most likely to succeed Number seven is Kendall, and I think that that pick might be a bit surprising when you consider all the humiliation that Kendall faced. The first 10 minutes of this show was basically presenting how disastrous his performance is. The painful, loud show he did outside the interview room where he said, well, that'll put a fire up their ass. He thought it went awesome. And I think that's a microcosm of all the problems with the case. He ends up losing the best lawyer available because he thinks that he's smarter than her. He's so ignorant about his real world circumstances culminates in him making a play to get Tom to come aboard. They meet at that diner, which I guess is the one place where all these Meetings take place, which is really hilarious. As Tom is trying to microdose his way into a future of only eating prison food, and the whole plan hinges on Tom going against everything he's ever known, especially his wife. It doesn't seem realistic at all, and the meeting goes poorly to the fact where Kendall takes a picture and tries to use it as blackmail and just like the worst way, like it's like he watches a spy movie and he thinks that he can do it, but he does it in the most amateurish way possible. But at the end, we see how upset that Shiv is with the process of picking someone who might be putting actual Americans in work camps. So under that, guys, it seems like the window of opportunity for Kendall's plan to actually work for Tom to come to board to decide maybe he doesn't want to go to prison after all, it's not likely, but it's certainly more likely than it was at the end of that meeting when the two went their separate ways. Thoughts on Kendall this episode? A lot to dissect, almost all of it
1: cringeworthy. Uh, Kendall is, he's a lot of offense and no defense. He, he only knows one way forward. It's it makes for the most spectacular um, blow ups. Yeah, he, he doesn't know how to get out of his own way ever. Whenever anything's going kind of well, he's just like, we got to get out in front. We got to get tweets going. We got to put pressure on these people. And everyone around him is like, no, maybe we should do the opposite of that. And just constantly he says, yeah, yeah, we could we could do that. We could try that. And then in his next breath, he's doing something else. Uh, The diner scenes, uh, we'll talk about the other diner scene later, but the two diner scenes were absolutely hilarious. His taking pictures was, (laughs) it was just so ham-fisted and awkward, just like, I don't even know how to describe it. I think something like that happened in Justify, where he just takes out his camera phone and just takes a picture and is like, oh, all right. Kendall, as usual, um, not doing well, really. Uh, he was on the outskirts of this episode, but he uh, he does have the ability to show up wherever the rest of the family is and just be like a house house next door or something, which remains a, uh, very important for the show. Whenever somebody needs to get away, they can always uh, find Kendall.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's, it's kind of a weird device. It didn't make a lot of sense. Like, he just showed up. <laughs> To meet with them there's a lot of like physical traveling when this you know it could have been a phone call he would have got the documentary evidence he needed anyway if it would have been a phone call so i didn't really understand why it needed to be in person kendall is just on one hand you see him get his heart broken to his face and reduced to like this puddle where he realizes all his faults and like what a joke he is as a person. This happens six times an episode and every single time that it does, like there's a twinge of empathy that you feel for him, but then he goes and doubles or triples down on whatever the douchiest thing humanly imaginable is. And then he does it. It's just this constant cycle. He's never going to get out of it. I mean, and we saw when the the coming scenes for next episode is just his big blowout 40th bash which is going to be incredible and it's going to be wrong in all the right ways but even like his life is falling apart things have never been worse for him legally and the primary focus on his mind was having a badass 40th birthday party which we know is going to go wrong that's kind of the Kendall in a microcosm story but again he is logan roy's most capable offspring so the opportunity for him to fall ass backwards into success i think always exists and will exist no matter how far down it appears that he is
1: all right uh number six on our succession power rankings a lot of guest stars this week don't know how many will have uh big roles going forward but we had Steven Root, who was kind of running the uh, little presidential picking party um, for Logan. We had Marklin Lynn Baker, uh, Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. I mean, he's had, a, he's had a large, successful career as an actor, but he'll always be Cousin Larry to me. Um, he and his spectacular Mark Twainish mustache and hair were there. And then Justin Kirk from Weeds and um, Animal Hospital, I think, among other things. He showed up as, I'm not sure, I don't. I didn't even write down his name, but he, he could be the next president of the United States. So, I mean, that's pretty big.
0: Yeah, there's nothing larger than becoming the next president of the United States except being head of Waystar Royco, because we've seen in two successive episodes that they've, forced one president to get out and they've anointed a new one for the campaign. So that is the more one person is being delivered a Coke by hand. The other is delivering (laughs) the Coke. So I think that we see that the power structure there in a way that all soda drinkers can understand. I think that you make a great point with the guest stars and I think that they were really additive because these parts were exactly the right size for them. None of them overpowered the episode. All of the actors fit right in to where they needed to be. Steven Root's character, I believe, was like kind of understated for how important he's going to be in the long-term. I don't know why they would have gotten him to play that part for what it did in this episode if there weren't larger things coming down the road. Justin Kirk is amazing in this portrayal. You really believe that this is a red pilled Fox News addled like next Tucker Carlson type figure. He flirts with the line, he goes over it, is despicable as he is and his policies and his outlook may be. There is a little bit of like devilish charm to him. I think that he's gonna play this role. Awesome. His dynamic with Roman, which we'll get to later was fascinating, but I really think that in the guest stars of this season, we saw Adrian Brody earlier and they all bring their specific flair, but they bring this level of, Hey, I know that person. I know this guy. I know that gal they're coming into an already star studded cast And it's really fun to watch them hit the ground running to understand the ethos of this show and to just go for it. And I don't think it takes anything away because we still do have those meaningful moments with the family. And if anything, it breaks up the monotony. If I do have one complaint about the series this season, and I know that part of it is because of COVID, it's a lot of sitting in rooms and talking for full episodes and this breaks it up. It gives it life. You get those cocktail conversations, which I think anytime there's a cocktail conversation going on with an ancillary figure in the show, it's gonna be dynamite because that's really where the writers shine. They shine everywhere, but particularly there. What was your favorite guest star turn?
1: Uh, I just love Steven Root popping up anywhere. Um, Obviously Mark Lynn Baker was fun to see. But, you know, one thing is we're still waiting on Alexander Skarsgård to show up. Uh, he was one of the big announcements over the, uh, as the season was approaching, and we haven't seen him yet. Um, he was right up there with Adrian Brody, and Brody had, you know, did he only have one episode, two episodes? You know, but that just goes to show you that, you know, it's, it's the main cast, really, which is, don't, don't let the, the familiar faces distract you from... Uh, from the Roy family. And that that's what it's all about. And at the heart of it, it's all about the line of succession.
0: It's funny because, you know, you say, don't let that distract you from the Roy family. And I can't think of how many insufferable tweets people would be sending exactly along those lines, if they were a real dynasty in this country and not a fictional character (laughs) on a television. Number five, we got a big surprise here. And I, Grappled with putting her higher. This is a breakout episode for Carrie, Logan's assistant, potentially more open speculation, whether they're bumping uglies, as the kids say, <laughs> uh, whether they're canoodling. It certainly seems like they are. There's a lot of chemistry there, and that's all fine and good because what people do in the privacy of their own home is their own Business, but it does pertain to the actual business because I think that she's been paramount in some decision making lately. There's a lot of meaningful glances being shared between her and Logan. She speaks up, she pushes for the Justin Kirk fascists when they're having the (laughs) presidential talk. She kind of like, with the moment she gets involved, that's the moment everything turns. Yes, Roman was in his corner before, but that's the moment where things really get ramped up. They're not being subtle about it. And she seems to be exerting a tremendous amount of influence and is speaking as an equal. And I think the most interesting thing about it is how the kids will whisper about it behind their father's back. But when rubber meets the road and she's asserting her thoughts into the dialogue and her power, they're not going to confront her directly directly because they know they can't do that in front of her father. Interesting. Marsha was doing some of this early in the series where she was pulling some strings, but Carrie is doing it with no frills with like no illusions of, I'm not doing this. I'm not trying to be sneaky. She's basically saying, I have a seat at the table now. I'm not going to apologize for having a seat at the table. And we all know what the deal is anyway. So I'm going to get the most bang, pardon the pun, for my buck.
1: Carrie, she, I, I, I honestly have no idea how long, how long she's been on the show. I feel like she's been there. Um, a lot of the uh, high-level assistants are just kind of uh, background And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like Jess is in charge of, uh, giving Kendall's giant rabbit bagels and stuff like that. So they, they do a good job of that. And Carrie, you know, she's apparently gotten very close with Logan over the last uh, few episodes. And now, you know, it's interesting that like Jerry and Frank, um, Those guys aren't here for this. Well, Logan kind of has his youth consultants and Carrie and uh, cousin Greg in the room just asking their opinions. It's kind of... It kind of seems the opposite of what he would do. But, you know, it's weird. The entire Greg thing was just weird. You know, it's like he's, he's the opposition, but, you know, he could stay here if he doesn't talk. But then Logan actually asked him a question. You know, just to, just to get him to awkwardly stammer about uh, Connor, but uh, Carrie, she's she's young, so she's and she is on the outside. She's not like Marsha, who has the prenup and just uh, renegotiate her contract. She's just in there. Who who knows what her motivations even are? She's probably just having fun and having a little bit of power and being close to uh, someone you know, basically the hand of God right now.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of time when people are young and a character like this is often written to be sort of a simpleton who gets the wool pulled over their eyes and thinks they're going to be something that they're not. But I get the impression with Carrie that she kind of knows what the deal is, what the score is, that she has a limited shelf life. And like you said, she's just having fun in the moment, like a classic millennial. Number four, (laughs) Roman. We got to talk about my guy, Roman. Uh, this is probably the episode where we turn on him forever because his open-mouthed embrace, uh, metaphorically and potentially physically, uh, in the near future of this fascist who's come into his life, that in a way is kind of like an avatar for himself. Like they kind of dress the same, they love the same dark humor. One person's is serious and potentially devastating to the real world one is mostly harmless unless he finds a like-minded individual who can carry it out in real life we're gonna see that friction but it was rough for me to watch roman fall into the dark side to become a uh like a i don't know maybe a peter Thiel um character some sort of like red pilled person online like it was it was kind of like watching like someone get sucked into into 4chan it was just a really <laughs> tough watch for me and i guess i guess the question for you is what do we do with roman going forward if he's going to keep going down this path because it's pretty detestable as a multi episode arc if he's going to keep defending him it's one thing to be like initially you know initially attracted to the idea of this and the excitement of this. But when rubber meets the road, how far will he actually go in helping this person ascend to the point where they can enact an agenda that actually harms people? Because I don't think that Roman's totally lost ethically or morally at the end of the day. I do think that he has it down in him, but given the choice between acting as a human being and getting those jokes off, he's always, going to choose and getting the jokes off. So, your reaction to Roman taking a dark trek down a dark
1: path. Um, I I wasn't that shocked. Um, you know, as usual, the the main thing to remember is that all these people are garbage human beings. Um, Roman is who knows what his real motivation is. Maybe this is his big play to become the head of Waystar. You know, he's, he picks a, a presidential candidate that nobody else wants. He does a good job of selling him, you know, and he thinks, oh, if I, if I deliver the president to my dad and my dad delivers the president, then I get the company, whatever it takes. You know, I mean, this is, a, he, remember he, he blew up a rocket <laughs> with people on it not too long ago that's true um so i don't know he's you know, it just it seemed completely normal you know he i have there's also the part where he's he he's not even his mother doesn't even invite him to his to her wedding uh, you know what, what kind of person is this we shouldn't be surprised by anything any of them do
0: Right. And I think that's crazy is when that subplot was going on, it was kind of like, yeah, you're on the mom's side. Like don't invite these people. Uh, got, I mean, she doesn't even know what happened the last time they were all over there for an event that proved disastrous. Uh, and that's, but that's, that's not the reason why she's not inviting everybody. It's that's other because reasons.
1: that's because she's also a horrible person. You know, Kendall tried to open up to her and tell her, and she's like, Oh, I've got to go to my jazzercise class or whatever the hell it was. You know, she's also just a rich, horrible person.
0: One quick thing on Roman, why he's so high on this list, I just think we should clarify, is because he is in excellent position. If Justin Kirk is going to be the future of ATN, which it seems like he is going to be, he will be that champion. I actually don't think it's crazy to think that Roman might develop his own political aspirations down the line in some form or fashion in an administration a vice presidential role something like that and i think that would be really interesting for him to like stab connor in the back uh because it's like you know what i mean like i think he could see this whole thing almost as performance art number three greg greg has been down and out for quite a while he got some wins this episode he ate some bad food he found a little present under a human christmas tree and getting tom to take his sins absolve him of those i'm not so sure we saw that he was lifted up like the stanley cup by some fascists He seems to be trending in the right direction. Maybe his cares are over in his mind. I would suggest his cares are probably not over based on what's going on with Tom behind the scenes. But it did feel good to see Greg live his life a little bit and not be a sad sack. We got some funny Greg. We got some heartful Greg we realize that this is not a person who should be paying a significant price for for this disastrous company and what they did based on what his role is basically as a sap and a fall guy. Did it feel good to see Greg smile a bit again for you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's always nice to just see Greg in general. Um, I think that of all the relationships and everything in the entire show, I think the one that could actually be deserving of kind of feeling bad is if Tom hurt Greg, because throughout it all, I feel like there's they've, they've always had that kind of kinship where they are the outsiders and, you know, they, they got along they worked together. And I think they genuinely like each other. If, you know, as, 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 people hanging out bros being guys that kind of thing so if tom does end up hurting greg i I, that's the one where i would be like oh well that's messed up but other than that yeah i i kind of the fascist stuff like the fact that there were all these fascists at this uh gathering was kind of lost on me i they did not sell that aside i mean okay you have justin kirk but you know, I didn't know he had like a bunch of uh, guys from Charlottesville with him there. But, you know, I guess it makes sense. Um, I don't I didn't understand. <laughs> he was he was telling I guess he just got to telling this story about suing Greenpeace. And they were all like, yeah, so let's celebrate this man, you know. But, you know, good for good for Greg, I guess, you know, finding finding a happy audience.
0: Oh, that's that. You're right. That's what it was. I saw that as just like a guy who was like, had no options saying, well, I'm just going to sue Greenpeace. I never thought that that could have been considered in the moment. I'm like, well, who's going to like the guy who said they're suing Greenpeace? (laughs) Oh, well this is the exact group that's going to appreciate him for suing Greenpeace. Again, excellent work by the writers, uh, by the show of laying the groundwork. It was so subtle that neither of us really picked up on it. Greg, man, I, I just, the one thing I will say about him in this episode is it didn't make sense for him to be in any of the scenarios really? he was in. That meeting where he got to stay, it didn't i, didn't, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it why, at
1: all. Why are they um, why they bring him in the first place?
0: Right. I think that they're like what they're trying to do is show that like he is maybe potentially Greg is still gathering information that can hurt the family if he chose to turn in some shape or fashion, which is gonna bring us to number two, Tom Wombsgams. I have a huge theory I wanna get to, but I think it's important right here that I just clear out and let you go off on Tom. He loves the prison blogs. Nobody's talked more about prison blogs than Tom on television. Awesome, I hope that all those, I hope that those people are getting great CPMs, selling some advertising. But what did we think of Tom in really an episode where we saw him broken, but we saw him finally stand up to Kendall in that fateful meeting, tell him off in a way that he's probably wanted to tell the entire family off for quite some time. An incredible performance by him. Tom, many directions to go. Lead us off.
1: Yeah, Tom, he's going through some stuff still. Uh, the New York Times just published an article where he was the king of prison Twitter um, for getting all those jokes off. But, you know, Tom, he's got he's got his buddy, Greg. Um, that diner scene had me audibly. Uh, that was that was L- real LOLs. Um, the diner scenes, both with Greg and Kendall were hilarious. Um, but also with Tom, just be uh, a spectacular performance. Um, he's so good, so funny. Every line reading is perfect. Like just saying the way he says "hoisted" like the Stanley Cup. There's just it's just incredible, and he plays broken and with all the stuff with Shiv, like where she's finally like, oh, or, you know, she tries to give him pity sex just to make him happy, and and he's like, no. And compares it to with the contraceptives uh, throwing cake batter at a brick wall, which which just <laughs> just absolutely incredible writing, um, you know. And then he and Greg talking to uh, just some random person at this conference about how your how important your toilet is to you. Like, <laughs> I mean, somebody in prison somebody who's been to prison at that thing just says, Hey, that guy's going to prison. I should go talk to him. We got some stuff in common. He maybe that could be a prison blocker. We don't know, but yeah. um, Another spectacular episode for Tom. Uh, Go ahead. What, what, what do you, what are you thinking here?
0: Yeah, I got a theory. Um, And I'm not the first one to come up with this theory, but I started to think it last episode, a couple of the actions in this one, made me further believe it could be a possibility. I think that our man, Tom might be wearing a wire. And a lot of that is going to require going back and and rewatching these episodes and seeing the way that he acts. I thought that the biggest tell was when he left that meeting to side a new president after like the most impactful thing he left. He was on his way to leave. I believe before like Kendall rang him. Um, I think that like the way that they're going to him for reaction shots suggests something is going on there. I'm not saying it's exactly what's going on there. If it were, that would be tremendously beneficial to Kendall's case. They took great care in this episode to talk about the flaws of it. Even Kendall saying, I have a strong case. And he's like, no, I have a flawed case. You know, like he was... Even Kendall understands the depth of the case. If he could get more documentary evidence, which they brought up a few times, I believe early in this episode, that would really be a boon to him. Kendall speaks to just how far Tom has gotten when they're in that meeting. And he says, look, you played your hand really well. And he said, look, I fell in love with your sister, which he probably did, but he's also played his hand tremendously well as an outsider to raise to that level. And I do think that when rubber meets the road, maybe that nice guy personality goes out the window that manifests in two forms, right? It either manifests in him burning Greg, which I agree with you would be terrible to see, or he goes up the ladder and he burns someone higher. And I think that that might be more palatable to him once he realizes that he does not have a long lasting future there, but I don't know if he's at that point right
1: now. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that but when when you mentioned it, the first thing I thought of was the scene earlier in the season where he tries to wrestle Greg. And you wonder, maybe he was trying to see if Greg was wearing a wire. because um, that was so weird. all the all the feds involved, it makes perfect sense that someone else is cooperating. So, Yeah, I I can I can totally see that. Or I can also see Tom just being a, you know, sad sack, not wanting to go to prison and ready to eat the shame cake or and the shame ornaments and whatever.
0: Yeah, it's painful. Okay, number one, and we actually have a meeting to get to. So we're going to rip through this pretty quickly. It's Logan Roy. Logan Roy does not have a UTI anymore. Logan Roy is still picking the next president. Logan Roy may still be sexually active. Logan Roy (laughs) may have ultimate control over his family. Logan Roy got his way with the presidential thing much to Shiv's chagrin. Logan Roy does not seem to be deterred by the DOJ investigation at this point. Logan Roy still went to that point and he was the kingmaker. I thought that the operation of Logan in this episode down to bartering for what he could get with the coke thing with with the vice with the current vice president and then also with Justin Kirk's character i thought that that was really vintage stuff that you would have seen when he was still at the top of his game which i think that we would admit that he's not still at the top of his game but when he dips back into the logan roy of of his prime it's really fun to see and i thought that he operated at that level this entire episode
1: yes 100 um it also made me think of another uh greg up uh, greg scene earlier in the series or in the season where greg asked for the coke and logan is charged with getting the coke which shows again the power dynamic of the the person in charge of getting the coke is on the bottom at that moment so yeah logan's back on top people are getting him cokes he's got a nice little lady friend he uh is feeling good enough to toy with his son's uh aspirations to be president yeah I, logan roy you know uh, as long as he is alive He's really number one, no matter what our rankings say.
0: Yeah. And it's really, I thought the way that he handled the Connor thing, the elephant in the room, was really brilliant. He got other people to say no to Connor. Like the man is really sharp and he knows how to keep people in his camp for as long as possible. At the end, when Shiv doesn't want to take a picture with a fascist for obvious, you know, many reasons, yeah. he ultimately acquiesces and he says, you win, Pinky, in like the most demeaning way possible. She must have felt an inch tall at that point. If there's any question about where the locus of power is right now, there shouldn't be because it's back with Logan. And I got to say, I'm a little bit surprised that it happened so quickly. Uh, kind of a wild swing between weeks of who's on top, who's on the bottom, but I think that there's no question that Logan is number one in our rankings this week.
1: I agree. Logan, Logan Roy forever, baby. I mean, you know, are we, are we not supposed to say that because he's really a horrible person? I don't know if he's
0: a horrible person based on some of the other people that they've (laughs) introduced this season. Those are our succession power rankings for episode six we're going to be doing it next week. We have four more episodes. It's going far too quickly. Tomorrow on this feed, we have myself and Liam picking NFL weeks. We had a good week. We had a good week. It was great to get back in the winning column. Check out my podcast, The Kyle Coster Show. Check out thebiglead.com for your written content. Thanks for riding with us. We'll see you next time.